to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Did this topic make you feel nervous? No. That, I get a strong no on that one. It really should not be. It's something we should really, we should really be talking about these things because I believe they are coming. Now, since we're a small group, I'm going to try this one. I haven't, get, I haven't started with a joke in a long time. So I'm just going to kind of prepare you. You're probably going to laugh a lot at this one, I'm sure. Okay? A man said, just before I die, I'm going, I'm going to swallow a whole bag of popcorn kernels. My cremation is going to be epic. Very good. Very good. We do live in a small world, isn't it? How many have been to Disney? All right. It's a small world. After all, it's a small, small world. Ever go through that, that, that ride? I personally, I did. The only reason why I liked that small world attraction was that when our kids were little, it gave us time just to rest. Let's do small world. Get in the air conditioning. It's hot out there. And just go through that. I used to think that, that's, and it kept repeating, it's a small world, small world, small world. I found that to be very annoying. <clears throat> but we know that Walt Disney had that vision of saying, we do live, trying to bring all the world, the nations together, that we live in a small planet, that we're all interconnected, so on and so forth. That's wonderful to think about that, but it also uh, lends itself to a lot of questions about how, how uh, together we really are as a whole world on this planet, people on this planet. So I believe, I start with I believe. I believe that we are at the threshold of some form of global government and economic system that is going to be epic. It is coming. And don't take my word for it. If you do all sorts of, of studies on end-time revelation or whatever, we will find when it comes to this idea of, of this one-world government that so many theologians, uh, historians, either uh, biblical historians or secular historians, and financial experts, another, and nations believe that this idea of globalization is very plausible, and this is what the Bible uh, teaches. So we need to look at its truths. Thousands of years ago, before I was even born, <laughs> There was a young Jewish boy, young man, teenager, very gifted. His name was Daniel. And Daniel was surrounded by an egocentric ruler and idolaters. He and many of the, the finest of Israel were deported to a nation called Babylon after Judah had been conquered. 
This was a hard time for Daniel and his friends, all the other Jews, because they were deported. They, have, they were away from their homeland. They were away from the homeland. But God through, gave Daniel, he gave Daniel the ability to really interpret the king's dreams. And these dreams revealed the timeline of history as we know it, from the beginning to the end. Now, when God had given Daniel the interpretation of dream, he had zero clue. He, had, he didn't have a clue. He, didn't, he couldn't name this country or that nation, that nation. He only had given Nebuchadnezzar what God had given him about this dream that he had. And so that's going to be our starting point. And it's an amazing thing because as we go through this, you're going to see, you already know it, but you, I'll, re, I'll kind of reaffirm it with you, that timeline, how, the, how things happened back then and how prophecy talked about that and leading up to, to this day. Does that sound okay to you guys? All right. So... When God had given Daniel this dream, uh, it really prepared him for his eventual position as official under Nebuchadnezzar. So we need to see that because that is very important in, uh, in all this as it coming together uh, that, uh, that Daniel, God had used him in this mighty way. So I want to start out by, I'm going to stick very close to the, to the text here, to my notes, because I don't want to miss anything. The more I, a uh, little minor, small rabbit trail, I had years ago the privilege of when I was, when I was really uh, testing my own call, to I went to a Moody Bible Institute, and I took some courses at Moody Bible, and my first course was on the book of Daniel. Of all the, as a new Christian, that's probably the last book I'd probably want to be in was the book of Daniel. But I had a wonderful professor who really blessed me in so many different ways. And so he kind of helped me along with all of this. So I'm going to share a little bit of that, if I can remember, go back to that knowledge and how that all fits in today's uh, prophecy. I want us to look at Daniel becomes the man. And we're going to look at Daniel chapter 2, verses 26 through 45. This is a ton of reading, but it's very, very important that we really look at these passages. Daniel 2, verses 26 through 45. The king asked Daniel, also called Belshazzar, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. I want to stop here. Daniel always, always in his ministry, it's a great book. You can do really a a long sermon series on Daniel, but he was a man of God. He really, really sought the sovereignty of his God. He said, he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar who, what will happen in days to come. 
your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you look at these. As you were lying there, O king, your, your mind turned to things to come, and the revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me not because I have greater wisdom than other living men, but so that you, O king, may know the interpretation and that you, you may understand what went through your mind. You looked, O king, and there before you stood a large statue, an, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, not, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, and the bronze, and the silver, and the gold were broken to pieces at the same time because like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving, leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the earth, the whole earth. This was the dream. And now we will interpret it to the king. You, O king, are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands he has placed mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them. You are that head of gold. After you, another kingdom will come, inferior to yours. Next, a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong in iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything, and as iron breaks things to pieces, so it will crush and break all the others, just as you saw the feet and toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron. So this will be the divided kingdom. Are you with me? You totally get, have this, understand this? First time I heard this, I'm going, what are you talking about? Yet, it will have some of the strength of iron in it, even as you saw even as you saw iron mixed with clay. As the toes were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. Verse 44. In the time of those kings... The God, a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will in itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of the mountain, but not by human hands. A rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, and the silver, and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. 
The dream is true, and the interpretation is trustworthy. In verses 27 and 28, David said there wasn't one person wise enough to explain the mystery interpretation of this dream, but only the God of heaven. Verse 29, as you were lying there, O king, your mind turned to things to come, and the revealer of mysteries showed you what was going to happen. God had given the king a complete prophetic vision of future world events marked by what I call globalization. And I'll explain that to you as we go along. Okay, let's look at the statue. He saw, he saw this huge statue of a man. And the head was made of what? Was made of gold. That was Babylon back then. Babylon was the world king. They were the world leader. They, globalization has not taken place or will not be taking place here in the next few years or so or whatever. That's happened way back then as well. Babylon was the world power. They were it. Everybody bowed to Babylon from 606 to 539 B.C. Then came the, the, the uh, uh, Medo-Persian empire. Arms and chest of gold and silver they were then the dominating power. They came about in 539 B.C. to 331 B.C. So we're talking about here a few years. Then came the Grecian Empire under Alexander the Great. Remember from your history, Alexander the Great? You know, the Bible didn't make this up. Alexander the Great, do you realize that in his 20s, this man became so depressed... He became so depressed because there were no other nations to conquer. He had conquered them all. You know? So what do you call it? The belly and the thighs. Made of copper. Now we move on. To the last, to the last one. And we need to be here for a while. The Roman Empire. Now, how many of you in your history class have studied the Roman Empire? We all have, haven't we? The Roman Empire came along at 146 B.C. to what, A.D. 476. Hundreds of years. Then after the Roman Empire, he talked about the feet and toes of iron and clay, and that is referred to as the revised Roman Empire. And what this means is that Satan will have one last shot, really, of, of creating this one world government. And it will be under, really, of a, of a confederation of nations. So you go from, from four, three nations to suddenly from the Roman Empire up to the revised Roman Empire, you're going to have a lot of countries being birthed. And we can see that through history, haven't we? We got, now we have all sorts of countries and continents. That's where we are, I believe, right now. And the next step was going to be, that's the easy part, right? Then the rock will be cut out of the mountain. And the rock will come down, and what will the rock do? 
the rock will crush. He will crush the feet and then, of course, usher in the Messianic kingdom. That's pretty much it. That's the timeline. Now, what happens between the first and the last, there's a subject to a lot of interpretations out there. What's going on? Who's going to be what? Uh, where are we going to be? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But just follow the timeline. That's all you need to do to follow the statue. Don't get carried away with all the other stuff in between. Follow the timeline of the statue. Are you with me? All right. Doesn't sound too good. I'm get some mumblings out there. Hopefully, it's going to get a little bit better. Verse 28a, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Can you imagine talking to a king? I mean, the king said he had all of his, his brightest, wisest trying to interpret his dream, and they couldn't. He's going to kill them. Then along came God had given with, his, with uh, uh, Dan, you know, Daniel's friends, Shadrach, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they prayed with him about this dream. So there's a lot of stuff that was thrown out to Daniel, given that he had no clue, no understanding what was going on. But he didn't, that wasn't God's plan. Amen? And amen. All right. Friends, again, this statue, again, is a prophetic timetable leading up to the last days of world history and the return of Jesus Christ. Number two, the dramatic end of world history as we know it. Revelation 13, 3 through 9. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was astonished and followed the beast. The beast, for many theologians, refers to the devil. Men worship the dragon. Oh, boy, here we go. Now, where did the dragon come in? We got the dragon and the beast. Now, which one is the devil? Which one? Don't get frustrated over that because you're going to be spinning your wheels and you're going to be frustrated for really absolutely no, no reason. Because some would say that is also uh, referring to the devil. Others say, no, that's a false prophet. It goes on and on and on. So I just want to try to stick to the text as best as we can. So, again, verse 4. Men worshiped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast. Mm. And they also worshiped the beast and asked, who is like the beast? Who can make war against him? Verse 5. The beast was given a month to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise his authority for 42 months. Don't ask me that one. There's a lot about that one as well. And it's amazing, it's exciting, all the interpretations, some of these images. We op- he opened his mouth to blaspheming God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. He was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them and was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not, again, have not been written in the book of life belonging to the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. 
He who has, who has an ear, let him hear. That is important. He who has an ear, let him hear. And this is going down another little rabbit trail. But stop and think about it today. Look what's going on in our world. Isn't some of it very plain to you? Isn't it something very obvious what's going on? But young people, but other people just don't see it because their heart, they're not sensitive to the leading of the Spirit of God. This, this is not really brain surgery here. It's if when we, we try to understand all these little details of it, then it becomes too complicated. But Revelation 13 finishes Daniel's end-time prophecies, which includes the horrific climax of world globalization. We're heading into some hard, hard times. But then, we're, now next week, we're going to talk a little bit about the rapture because we're going to talk about the pandemic and so on and so forth. But understand in this, now you say, when is the rapture coming? Does, does, the, does the Bible give the sign of the rapture? I'm just saying, does this have to happen first or that? No. Is there trouble time to coming? We're going to be rapture. We're going to be out of here. So that's going to happen as well which should be very exciting for all of us. We're going to take a nice ride. You know, it's going to be really cool. So that's, going to, that's coming. When Satan rears his ugly head, the deceived uh, servants of the devil will be on the rampage to destroy, search and destroy. There's going to be wrath. There's going to be things coming down that will just curl our, our toenails. It's going to be absolutely horrible, but praise God, we will not be a part of that, that kind of action. Verse 3, one of the heads of the beast had ten horns and ten heads. Verse 1, of the, of the beast seemed to have a fatal wound, seemed to have a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was astonished and followed the beast. Here we see the evil one, will one day be severely wounded and demonstrate his ability, what? To perform miracles and heal. The people will be so impressed with his dazzling, amazing power that they will follow his useless and twisted ways. So people will be deceived. We will not, people that are here, Christians will not be deceived. You will know, we will know. You know, if we're gone and believers are, are coming up, they will know. They will not be deceived. Are you with me? All right. I'm glad you are because I'm just kind of losing myself. That is not good. That's right, Jan. I didn't need to hear that. Verse 4b. And they also worship the beast and ask, who is like the beast? Who can make war against him? Read this. Read Revelation 13. Read Daniel 2. Read these chapters and let them, through the Holy Spirit, fill in the blanks for you. Okay? The Antichrist will build and unify all the armies of the world in one last desperate attempt to what? To destroy the apple of God's eye, and the apple of God's eye is Israel. This will be a time of great tribulation. I've talked about against believers. 
in an effort to bring all nations together. So there's going to be a lot of chaos going on, a lot of bad things happening in our world. 2 Thessalonians 2, 7 and 8. So far, are you with me? Becca, how are we doing? We got a thumbs up back there. Okay, very good. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. But the one who now holds it back, who holds it back? God will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. And when the lawless one, and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy the splendor of his coming. Can you see the prophetic timeline? Babylon, again, was a world dictator. They were crushed. Prophecy revealed. Prophecy fulfilled. Medo-Persia, another world dictator. They were crushed. Prophecy fulfilled. Two. Greece, another world dictator power, was crushed. Prophecy fulfilled. Three. God is three for three here. And this all happened through a course of hundreds of years. And what history's done in archaeology, they've only affirmed what I just said. They've confirmed it. So we can't say, if somebody can't say, well, you're making this up. You're making, this is right out of your history books. Number four, the Roman Empire at that time was it. They were the dominant dictatorship, and they were crushed. They were crushed. Now, here's why I go. I say prophecy here is progressing. It's progressive prophecy because it's not complete. We are in that stage right now where it is not complete. We've gone from thousands of years ago to right up to here. If you really look at it, you look at the Roman Empire, the fall of it, and you look at the revival of the Roman Empire, you're seeing, you're seeing thousands of years. So it's not like it's one, two, three, four, and then we're out. No, because we've seen, we've seen actually, since the Roman Empire, we have not really had a one government system because we've had a system of governments, a system of, of nations. And see, that's where the last part comes in, where Satan had that one last time to revive that one world government. Are you with me? And then, as we look, the restrainer in verse, in verse 7 is God himself. And this lawless one is often referred to as the counterfeit Christ. Verse 8. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The end of human history will come when Jesus descends from the, crowd, from the clouds 
riding on what? This white horse as conqueror along with the armies of heaven to usher in the new millennium. That pretty much, one thing, now, theologians disagree on a lot of this. What they disagree on is a lot of the imagery, what have you. One thing they all agree on is this timeline from Babylon to the end and how it's all going to end, how that rock's going to come out of the mountain and come down and crush. So we know, we know that to be true. What we struggle with is all the other details. Now, what would you say about the dragon? What would you say about the beast? Who is that really? People get hung up on all these details, which is not necessary. Jesus said, keep track on the timeline. Just follow. Where are we? Where are we? We're not the Roman Empire. We're long past that. That was hundreds of years ago. Where are we? We're in a confederation of nations right now. But we're not unified. We're getting there. We're getting there. I don't say that, but even secular people are saying that. This one world government system, one economy, Europe is playing with that for a long time. And guess what? In the United Nations, they're putting hush-hush in some of the, you know, we talk about the UFOs, you know, and we know, or, or there's, there's a lot of what, but out the documentation that the government's not even giving us about this. There's documentation about this one world government that we are not hearing, but it's out there. And it has been discussed by the highest of the highest of the high people. I'm not making this up. You can't make this up. We, because we know in prophetic history that this, this is going to happen. It's a flat guarantee. And the clock is ticking. It is ticking right now. We don't know. But it's ticking. If you just follow the signs, don't you have to wonder? Don't you have to stop and pause and say, God, where are we in this? Follow the signs. Jesus said, just follow the signs. And point number three, this is our time. Let's look at Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. I love this. And this really was written during the time when it was the birth of, of, the, of, the, of the church. So they met together. They asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and, the, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, Jesus was taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside him. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way 
You have seen him go into heaven. I love that. And friends, the clock is ticking. How many study World War II history? No. I just, I guess I'm a student of World War II history, but maybe because my dad was in that war. But I remember when, when the Japanese were invading uh, the Philippines the first time, and they start sweeping through the Philippines and those islands people, and then there was panic. We need to get out. But how can we get out? We're trapped. MacArthur was there, and MacArthur had, General MacArthur had a love for the Filipino people. But he knew the time had come when they would have to leave. Military presence would have to leave the Philippines. So he left. And in his own mind, he left in disgrace. He had to leave those people behind knowing what was in store for them. And the Japanese, when they took over the Philippines, it was horrible for the people there. That's all I can say. It was just horrible. But MacArthur said, I shall return. I shall return. He said that to the Filipinos. Friends, this is our time. This is our time. And we need to step out in faith and proclaim who Jesus Christ really is in our families, in our neighborhoods, communities, wherever. And we need to proclaim that he shall return. He is going to return. And he's saying, in the meantime, what are we doing? He said, be at work. Do your work. As you wait for me to return, do your work. We have nothing to fear here. We have absolutely nothing to fear. For Jesus is in complete control of our world events. And will one day, one day, he will come back just as he had left to establish his kingdom of righteousness of love, hope, peace, grace. He will come back. And this is our time. And since it is our time, let's not just gaze up into the sky looking for Jesus, but let's get to work and serve him. That's what we're called to do. We're not to stay in here and say, okay, we're going to wait, or we're going to wait at, a, at, the, at the bank of the river, wait for Jesus to come again. He says, get to work. This is your work. When I come back again is my work. You just do your work and let me do my work. That's what we're called to do here. There's many people, and I know, I know what God's doing and I know you know what God's doing in this church in your hearts. But do you suppose, do you just suppose that when you look 
around your sanctuary right now, this worship center, you see empty, empty chairs. How do you suppose that makes God feel? He's coming again. And when he comes again, he's going to be mad. God is gathering his people. We need to, to be about our Father's business. This world, this world is closing in on us. We are, we are at the verge of, I think, some kind of a one government system. I just talked about it. What's going to happen when that happens? Things are going to pop really quick. Events are going to happen. And God is saying, just look at that. Just look at what is happening. And it is here or close. This is our time. The clock is ticking. Clock is ticking. So let's be about the business and rejoice awaiting his glorious return. Are we prepared? Are we prepared? Jesus is asking every heart, are you, you prepared? Am I prepared? I want to be. I want to be. You know, there's going to become a time when Jesus returns, comes again. You know, there's going to be separating, you know, and then there's going to be no turning back for people. You have loved ones, they're not sure where they're at. And they say, well, that's silly thinking about end time stuff. You follow the timeline. You follow history. It is there. He's three out of three, and four is on the way. And what separates biblical prophecy from people saying, well, I get a vision of this, I have a vision of that, is Jesus, the prophecy of the Bible is 100%. It will come to pass. This will come to pass. I could retire. I could retire right now. But you know something? At this point in time, that's not what God wants me to do. He's saying, you get to work. You get to work. I'm telling you, get to work. Do your work in Jesus' name. Not for me, not for your neighbor. You do your work in Jesus' name.